Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. All of Paul's family's in it, including Maya Rudolph, who's incredible. And Cooper's mom and his siblings are in it, and my whole family's in it. And it just like feels like we all went on this weird family vacation together in the 70s. So watching it, it just, I think it's just like, it's, it's like a yearbook. It feels like you're watching a yearbook of like the best summer of your life. Making Licorice Pizza was a family affair for star Alana Hyam, as well as her director, Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm Janelle Riley. On this episode of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talked to Alana Hyam about her first ever feature film role, Licorice Pizza, as well as her hugely popular band with her sisters, and much more. But first, our Awards Circuit Roundtable dives into the hot topics of the week, including how COVID has disrupted this Oscar campaign season again. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everyone. Back here in the roundtable, it's Michael Schneider along with Clayton Davis. Hello, Michael Schneider. Hello, hello. Janelle Riley. Hello. Waiting for her um, at-home COVID-19 test results as we speak. Excellent. We're rooting for you, Janelle, and <laughs> Jazz Tanke. The untattooed Jazz Tanke. You don't have any tattoos? No tattoos. Oh, I have one, but it's it's so old. Well, before the- before we start at all, I think I want to explain now to our listeners what Jazz <laughs> is referring to, because this is a revelation. Um by the time you're listening to this, you have this week's issue of Variety Magazine. Pam and Tommy on the cover. Yes, uh, yours truly wrote a big cover with Sebastian Stan and Lily James about the upcoming Hulu limited series, Pam and Tommy. It is fantastic. Run, don't walk to your streamer and watch it. The second it premieres on February 2. The makeup, the hair, the wardrobe, it's incredible. They really have transformed Lily James and, and Sebastian Stan into Pam and Tommy. Me, including Sebastian Stan, who does not have a tattoo at all on his body, uh, had to undergo hours of tattoo stenciling every single day, including the massive mayhem on the torso, which, of course, is one of Tommy's uh, defining characteristics. But Jazz just blew our mind. <laughs> Jazz, tell us what you wanted to do as a 16-year-old back in the good old UK. 
back when I was living in London as a 16-year-old listening to, like, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses. I was more obsessed with Motley Crue and Tommy Lee, and I wanted a Mayhem tattoo. And uh, my mother took me to Kensington Market, which no longer exists, took me to the tattoo parlor because, obviously, the best tattoos were done either at Kensington Market or Camden. And I had a photo. I said, I want this tattoo. And he said, come back in two years' time. And, yes, I did want the mayhem tattoo emblazoned across my torso. Yes. (laughs) Hold on, wait. He he denied you, though, even with your mom there? I was underage. But your mom was there. Do they not allow you? We think mom was in on it. Mother was in on it. She knew that I would not be allowed. You leak by law. You can't do it even if you have an adult with you. And Really? I'm very glad that I didn't have. Oh, I'm so mayhem. sad you d- this didn't happen. Like, this is the worst twist ever. No, this is what I wish someone had stopped me when I went into a tattoo parlor at 20 and said, put Homer Simpson on my shoulder. Like, Give do Homer you, Simpson? You don't that's know incredible. that? No, I didn't oh, know yeah, that. No. It's, it's an old tattoo oh. also. You see it? Oh, I see a tattoo. Oh, oh yes. that's, that is awesome. It is awesome. That actually makes <laughs> you so much cooler. Gosh. Yeah. You should have opened your friend our friendship with that. <laughs> I, I I just assume everyone knows. I mean, I think it's I think it's on my Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Janelle, you have a Wikipedia page? No, here's another thing I didn't know, that you had a Wikipedia page. Over, over the years, there have been various pages, and then they get taken down because I should not have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> There's no reason for that. Um, and then, like, it comes back up later. And I, I know it's definitely been part of the trivia in there once upon a time. I don't know if it still is. I don't even know if I have a page right now. I most likely don't, and that's that's fine. I don't know. I'm going to go look now with Janelle <laughs> spreading propaganda on the internet. Well, you know, and, and similarly, I, I wish someone, you know, back when I was a big Tupac fan in the 90s, if someone had told me not to get the Thug Life tattoo on my torso, um, that would have been helpful. Please but, tell me um, you have a Thug Life tattoo. Now you have to show us, yeah. <laughs> Wait, am I the only one amongst us who is tattooed? No, I, I have a tattoo also. I was going to say, I thought Clayton yeah. had yeah, okay. I have a, I have the comedy and tragedy masks on my arm. Oh, were you a uh, theater nerd kid? I was yeah, a theater yeah. nerd. Yeah, yeah. And then now, I was supposed, and I was supposed to get a tattoo for Jessica's thirtieth birthday because no, she went don't through do a, that. well, she went through a midlife crisis at thirty, and then she got a tattoo, and I was supposed to get one like that week, and then something happened, and I ended up getting it. But I still want to get it. I want to get a film reel. Oh, okay, not stuff. her name or anything like that. No, no, it, never do know. that. No. Never do that because you will break up the next day. Yep, names yeah. are not good. I always wanted to get a tattoo of Hervé Villachez. What? A tattoo, tattoo of tattoo? Of tattoo. Wow. Mike right? Schneider's on fire today, I'm just, I'm just here for the dad jokes. Yeah. I, I'm just here I'm so for the dad jokes. Look at him. And, uh, for the, and for the record, Janelle Riley does have a Wikipedia page. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, okay. It has oh your age and birthday and everything. It ha- From what I understand, it's my wrong age, so we won't go mm, any further than that. Sure. Yeah. All right, here, here's the assignment for all of our listeners. Let's see who's actually listening to the podcast. Let's no. see what you can add to Janelle's no, Wikipedia page over the, over the next week. And next week when we come back, we'll see what has been added to Janelle's page. That, that's going to be fun. Because we're checking for the rest of the season. It's funny you say that because I remember um, early, early on in the office doing an interview with Rain Wilson and asking him about his emu farm. It, because it said on his Wikipedia page at the time that he had an emu farm. And he's like, I don't know who put that in there. And I'm like, oh, I'm really disappointed. Rain Wilson doesn't have an emu farm. 
I, I believe everything I read on the internet. <laughs> There's only truth spoken on there. All true. All right, everyone. So here we are. We're sort what are we, of what are we doing? <laughs> in the, <laughs> what is this season In the middle about? of this ongoing season. Oh, Janelle's got her COVID results. It is a negative. Oh. All right. It looks like, yes. like a pregnancy test. I'm not going to lie. That would also be a negative. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, I, uh, not that I'm surprised. I was just, I was just taking one cause honestly it was going to expire. So I thought I'm, I'm a hermit man. And like most events have moved back to being virtual. So yeah, yeah I have, well, I have that's, a, that's anywhere. a good, good segue to sort of talk about this weird sort of situation we're in now where right now everything is going back virtual again. Things are being postponed, pushed back. So we're a little bit in limbo right now with this weird season. And what's that going to mean as we, you know, continue to trudge along this, this award season? What, what Clayton, what do you think? I, I like, you know, what? It, I feel bad for, studios right now because i think obviously they were planning in-person content for the entire season and different different from last year where we were all planning to be virtual and they had months to do so because it didn't look like it was going to end to screech to this halt right before christmas i think now is having them juggle a few things and not knowing what to do with this last you know time of recording we have 10 days remaining until Oscar nominations officially open. And I just kind of think everyone's going to kind of twiddle their thumbs. And that actually could provide a very uh, wide open race and could tilt into many unexpected directions. It's so hard. And I, and I, by the way, I recognize as I say this, there are much, much worse things going on in the world. We're complaining about losing events, obviously. But you, we felt like we got a taste of our normality back before, like you said, it really did come to a screeching halt. And I'm glad yeah. people are being safe. And I'm glad that people are so creative and, you know, that we that we can do these things virtually. But, yeah, it is it is disappointing. And to see award shows getting postponed, you know, I'm, I'm curious if the Oscars might delay a little bit again. I don't know. Clayton would probably be the right person to ask that. Yeah, a lot of people have asked me, have asked me that, like I would have the answer, right? Because <laughs> I'm well yes into no, it. Yeah. I... I don't think they will. They're in the best spot of everyone right now. You know, March 27th is more than two months away. And I feel as though no matter how bad this gets, I don't think we're shutting down again, no matter what. I think people are just like, we'll never go back. The economy can't handle it. And I just think people won't. So will it be... Could it be a uh, toned down Oscars? Yeah, like could there be less people in the room? Probably, but I don't think it'll it'll move dates. Also, phase two is already ungodly long; it's seven weeks. So imagine yeah. that being longer, I would die. Wait, sorry. The time between when do, when are nominations? Nominations are February eighth. Okay. Seven weeks is phase two, which is already so long. Yeah. That, so imagine yeah. another like three added to that. I think the only thing to come out, the only thing that we've lost, and to Janelle's point, yes, there are much bigger problems in the world than us losing events, is losing that gauge of voters and like what they're 1, loving, what they're, you know, what they're not liking. Like that suddenly has gone and, you know, we can't tell anymore. But also Janelle and I were talking about this before 
we even started recording is like suddenly there's been an influx of like Q and A's all going virtual. And like, it's just last minute, the scramble of endless Q and A's, which is great. I'm not going to complain about it. I love doing them, but yeah, they, they offer something. And, and I think the, what you had just said, jazz with, when it comes to this influx and the way everything has been working like up until now we don't know but i have no way of quantifying this so let me let me preface this with like i don't have physical proof but i believe that this is going to be the most underwatched season maybe in history really i was thinking if spider-man could get that nomination or well no no so i think they've seen so i think people have seen spider-man and I think they've seen, I could say maybe like there's three or four films I could be like, yeah, voters have watched that. I've spoken to voters who haven't seen Belfast, Power of the Dog, King Richard, like literally in the same sentence will say, I haven't seen those three movies yet. And I think they're kicking the can down the road. And I don't, I mean, maybe they'll make time at the last second, or maybe they'll just vote for Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, no, I was going to say like, I've been asking people, it's like, have you seen Belfast? And these are people that I've been pushing since like November. And I'm like, no, didn't watch it over Christmas break. But they've seen Spider-Man. They've seen Hazuguchi, which explains why it showed up last week. They've seen Being the Ricardos. They've seen like, they've watched Tick, Tick, Boom, right? Yeah. So like. Yeah, th- those SAG those SAG nominations were very populous. Like yeah. those, there were no like small little movie that could, <laughs> like that got into that fray. Like yeah. they were big movies that made noise. What were you saying before, Janelle? Oh, I was just going to say, to that end, since we're getting ready to vote, is there anything that you really want to push people to see? And bear in mind, I have friends who I've been telling to watch Succession for three years, who are just now starting, so I know no one's going to listen to me. But, <laughs> what? but And they love it, by the way. They love it, yes. Um, and Succession but, isn't isn't eligible for the Academy Awards, is also yes. that. We have to watch say that for movie. voters who think that, who could think that for a second. Just well, putting do. it out there. And I do think, uh, I know there's obviously ways for Academy members to, to screen all of these films, but there is an accessibility issue still. Like the, the ease of just watching something on Netflix or Amazon versus the inability to see certain films like Belfast at home unless you're signing into whatever screener. Maybe you don't have that link. Or the, maybe or you don't the have Academy access. streaming room, which is still difficult for people over the age of uh, an age. I'm not going to yeah. say a number, but older people do have trouble with the the streaming room. Yeah, so I think that I plays have into with it too. Streaming. <laughs> so, so because because I haven't, I have so obviously I don't have access to since I'm TV, not film. So I haven't been able to see Belfast yet because I don't have access to, and so I'm not talking about it. And if other yeah. people who aren't members also aren't talking about it, then suddenly it's not in the zeitgeist. But you know what is is don't look up because everyone was easily able to watch that on Netflix. So they're talking about it on social media and it yeah. feels like it's more of an event and something that you need to watch. Yeah. That, no, it's, that's you, you hit the nail on the head. Cause I think that's exactly what's happening is that, you know, like BAFTA, like my first year voting in BAFTA, they don't have a streaming app. So you have to watch it on your computer and then stream it to your TV, but you can't do that for every movie. Some movies don't allow you to stream it to your TV. So then that became incredibly frustrating. And Spider-Man was on there the entire time, but not available until they just pulled off and said it's not eligible. That's it. Oh, that's so, right. Again, it's no longer eligible. It, yeah. So, it, yeah, it wasn't eligible for BAFTA. So Did they that, miss a deadline or something? Or was I, mean, it I don't just... think they're having a uh, – I don't, I don't 
I don't think they could make it available in time, nor release date or something tied to it. But yeah. That's, so that's, eligible next year, technically? Probably, yeah. yeah. That's always weird when that happens. I remember like, I feel like Dallas Buyers Club was like a year behind and it already won Oscars. Uh, Halle Berry and Charlize Theron both got nominated the year after they won wow. the Oscar. But they both lost BAFTA. For the BAFTA, wow. Um, but looking at what we have, and I, using the precursor chart that I keep as a as a good indicator, uh, not saying critics' awards matter as much as people think they do, but it's a good place to go discover some movies. So, like, Power of the Dog still leads the charge. I think I think we still need to say watch Power of the Dog. Um, but Drive My Car... I think yeah. I think people should give it a shot yeah. outside of international feature. I think it will have a problem because it's three hours. I think people are aware of that, but it's it's worth it's worth the look. And I'm always going to tell you to watch. Come on, come on, because you guys are monsters for not watching it. You're, you're, I assume you're talking to some invisible I'm, I'm, person because yeah, yeah, we've all seen yeah. it. Yeah, anyone, anyone who hasn't seen it is a monster. <laughs> yeah. So, Mike, you're included with that too because it's not available <laughs> yes. for streaming. I'm 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 terrible. I'm terrible. Yeah. Uh, I would just say, yeah, I just like to give a heads up to some of the later releases that are coming in. Obviously, Cyrano, I'm a big fan of. Um, I would love to see Peter Dinklage's performance recognized. I'd love to see the music recognized, but I guess none of it's eligible because it was all part of the play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, it was eligible. It just didn't make the shortlist. The songs or the score? The the song, uh, The Letter, was eligible. It's a new one. Oh, that's crazy. Tech, so here it's a loophole in that. Okay, and I think that's okay. why it got dinged. Is that it was different lyrics. It's still the, a song called "The Letter." Different lyrics sang by different people. I think it was a loophole, but people were like, okay. mm, and then mm, didn't go for it. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, that's. I, I guess I'm just saying that the ones that I feel are underseen haven't uh, haven't really screened yet for people. Um, and of course, I'm always going to recommend Annette. Um, which is on Amazon Prime, and I'm always going to throw out Tony Lung from uh, Shang Chi for a supporting if, actor. If only they could be that cool. Oh. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. Oh gosh, I feel like I'm sure I'm missing a million things that I would love to recommend, but my mind is a bit of a blank right now. I'm with you, and come on, come on! I feel like, oh, please, people, just take. It's not even that long, right, Clint? What's the runtime? Hour come fifty. On, come on. Hour 50. An hour fifty. Also, I am admitting not for everyone because my favorite movie of the year typically is not for everyone. So I'm just putting that out there. But is you your should favorite watch movie it. of the year ever one? Uh yes, Birdman. Yeah, Birdman was my favorite, my oh, favorite Birdman movie that year. It was actually nice. Oh, and, Nomad, and Nomadland last year. I'm an, I'm a jerk. <laughs> last year, Nomadland. <laughs> uh, Parallel Mothers. Please see Parallel Mothers. Yeah. Penelope Cruz is brilliant in that. Um, and Nightmare Alley. Uh, there is a new version out in black and white, and I hear it is incredible. I think I think it is now my favorite Del Toro movie ever. Mm. I, I, I bob back and forth with that. And listen, with uh, Nightmare Alley, one of the hardest movies to get a gauge on if it's getting snubbed because people don't like it or if it's getting snubbed because people haven't watched it yet because it's like right. fluctuating by the way adam driver uh best actor winner from florida film critics so it's he's in the hunt so we can just oh. like for check annette. that off yeah he won for annette at oh. florida he was also on i believe a.o scott's ballot the, the controversial oh. new york times oh, ballot. <laughs> i mean yes. the guys that didn't pick 
every populist movie <laughs> ever. My God, what monsters they were. People are awful. Um, what have you, from what you've seen, <laughs> Mike, what uh, have you liked this year? Encanto. Oh, yeah. I mean, Encanto <laughs> on top of it. I just rewatched it uh, on Disney Plus the other day and love it even more the second time Such around. a dad mm-hmm. watching it multiple yeah. times. And not even, and not even hey. because your kids sold you to, right? You just did it on your own? Honestly, the, the kids left the room. It was Maria and I who were just watching it together. <laughs> also, his kids are not, you know, little kids. I know, kids. they're like 16 years old. They're, they're old. They're, they're old yeah. now. So we're, we're, we're watching, uh, you know, Book of Boba Fett together and like the, the older <laughs> skewing stuff, Cobra Kai. Um, but uh, yeah, Encanto the second time around. But uh, like I was mentioning before, uh, I, I enjoyed Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, and, uh, you know, again, you know, don't look up. Definitely had uh, you know. I, I I still think about that film from time to time, um, and we're we're catching up on some others as well. But uh, real quick, it's time for my weekly plea for the Academy and for ABC oh. to choose <laughs> Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez as the hosts of this year's Oscars. I will not give up on that. That is going to be my campaign, my crusade from now until they finally announce it. So let's make it happen, make it so. As a matter of fact, I've already written up a one sheet where I have uh, some some more notes on what they can do for this year's. Uh, I'm gonna post it at some point, somewhere. <laughs> uh, but I, I have produced this uh, this year's Oscars, as a matter of fact, folks. I they already have a plan. They need to give you 20% when so yeah. they book that hosting gig. Yeah. Um, by the way, as we have established, I am childless, but I have watched Encanto several times by myself. No excuse. <laughs> same. Same. Not a child in sight. It is perpetually on repeat. Just to assist Mike in this crusade, because I believe in the, the soul of this mission that he has taken on to save the Academy and the ratings uh, in the magazine this week is also my personal plea of recommendations to host the Oscars. I put four and one at, at the very top is the only murderers in the building trio. They do you tell us the others or do you want them to? Yeah, no, I can tell, yeah, cause, yeah. yeah. Cause it'll be out by the time um, this wouldn't happen, but I think it'll be a cool pairing. Aquafina and Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. I think or they just would just either one of them. I think would be great. Solo yeah, I, too. I think I think they really. I uh, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much into this. I really think the Oscars, whatever host they choose this year, I think they almost have to go with a pairing. I think it's too much to give it to one person. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I, I agree. Yeah. Or uh, three people. Or well, yeah. then my second one is Middle <laughs> Ditch and Schwartz because I will bang that drum because that stand-up <laughs> special is incredible. I think they should do half of the improv and only the other half a little planned. And then I said The Lonely Island and Tim Robinson. Oh my God! Oh. Have you ever seen The Lonely Island cut song from the Oscars? They wrote a song one year, and the idea was to get people like Chris Hemsworth to sing about like why isn't my film being considered for Oscars? You can find the there's a, like an. Uh, what do you call it? Not an automatic, but like um, they actually put the song online and like there's this, yeah. And it's so, it's like, you know, when Chris Hemsworth is like sitting at home watching the Oscars, like why not me? And then at one point, Michael Fassbender comes in. He's like, come on, the snowman was good. What do you mean? 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is now it's, it's, uh, it's, Andy Samberg, I think, doing all the voices and they didn't do it because they ultimately couldn't get all these people to sign off on it. But it is genius. So I, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a huge 
Lonely Island fan. It so was the I, last yeah. concert. It was the last concert I went to before the pandemic happened. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. I'm, I'm wow. a huge, like, pop star Never Stop Never Stopping is like a Should masterpiece. Should have won best song for I'm Not Gay. <laughs> it should have yeah. been nominated for best picture. Like, it is my jam. And I love, and I love Tim Robinson too, because I think You Should Leave is an incredible show. And I hate that they do 13 minute episodes and six of them every like 18 months. But yeah. That's my please. Here's another idea. I mean, what about Bo Burnham? I feel like he wouldn't do it. <sighs> Bo, I think you're right, Janelle. Bo, I, th- I, I think, think he would be have amazing. Would, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah way, I think it would be just yeah, a, a crazy ask. He doesn't really like to perform live anymore. Um, I mean, I think it's a brilliant idea. By the way, this gives me a nice plug. Did you know that uh, Zach Stone is going to be famous? Is now on Netflix. This was Bo Burnham's series from 2013 that he did for MTV. Oh, wow. So oh, no. ahead of its time. He looks exactly the same, by the way. <laughs> so ahead of its time. So brilliant. And all the episodes are now on Netflix. There you go. Um, Bo is a good... That's a good choice. He, first of all, he would never do it with anyone because he's a one-man show. Right, I right. think. But also, yeah. And listen, my suggestions... I, like, Listen, I don't think Aquafina and Tiffany Haddish... Like, Tiffany Haddish might do it because she's worked with Bo Packer before. I don't know if Aquafina would do it. And I don't know if the... The Lonely Island and Tim Robinson only works if they let them kind of be themselves because they are raunchier, <laughs> dirtier hosts. So th- there's a lot of like what ifs. But like, listen, like there's a lot of dream scenarios that like could work. Um, like if they brought Chris Rock back that I would I wouldn't object to that if he was let off the leash a little bit like of being his stand up routine. Or Eddie Murphy. I thought he did a pretty good job last time he hosted. Oh, Eddie Murphy was great. Yeah, Eddie Murphy was going to host one year, wasn't he, when Brett Ratner was was the producer? Yeah, that was the whole Brian. Wait, was it Brett Ratner? Brett Brett Ratner. I said Brian. Yeah, I didn't mean that. Yes, Brett Ratner. No, I thought I was wrong. I was like, no. Going through your Rolodex of problematic uh, people. (laughs) (laughs) No, new couple, Joe Coy and Chelsea Handler could host the Oscars. Wait, are they a couple? Yes, I just found that out the yes. other day. Yeah. They've been friends for so long. Yeah, they're actually they're a couple really cute couple. Really oh my gosh, good funny for them. together. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so funny because I did a cover story on Joe um, maybe about a year or two ago for when he was uh, receiving a, uh, an honor from uh, Just for Laughs. And Chelsea was one of my supporting stories. And the way they talked about each other, yeah. I was like, why aren't these two together? Now they are. Yeah, I, I, I spoke with Mike about Joe Coy uh, like the other day. I was like, w- like I feel like maybe they missed their opportunity because some people were like really peaked at a certain point. And I'm not saying Joe is like washed up or anything. He has a show, a pilot that's about to uh, that is happening at ABC. But three years ago, Joe Coy probably would have been awesome. Well, doesn't he have a film with Spielberg as well? That's like being produced by Amblin or something. Does he? There, there is a film he's got coming out. I'm not sure. Easter Sunday. I feel yes, like I feel it, like that yeah. was developed through. Oh, yeah. I, I could be totally wrong, so I'm just going to stop now. But yeah. like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm super excited about that. I like the uh, Asian representation there. Oh, I, th- I, I, I was two seconds from putting Randall Park on this list because I think he <gasps> Randall would Park be, and Cat uh, Dennings yes. to a ship. That that would be great. Um, <laughs> Here's a late addition to the list. Now, unfortunately, it's it's uh, from a different corporation, not from Disney, but from Viacom CBS. But the women of Yellow Jackets, boom! 
<laughs> right. Didn't we say Melanie Linsky last week? <laughs> we, we don't. Last we don't week, I said Melanie Linsky. That. <laughs> yeah. That, yes. That's too yeah. good for our world. But can you imagine yeah. them? Uh, like Christina Ricci, oh, in Juliette character. Lewis. In character, they all have to do it in character. <laughs> Especially Christina. Oh my God, Christina Ricci. Yeah. And, and slowly, people in the audience disappear throughout the evening. <laughs> <laughs> where they, where Tom Hanks go? We don't know. Yeah. I think they're feasting on him in the back. So, <laughs> yellow jackets, guys. Yellow jackets. Yellow jackets. If, if they also could coordinate, and I know one of them is like kind of falling off in favor on the internet, but the four Chris's probably would have been really. Someone cool. is always falling off on in favor on the internet. Yeah, it's, it's but the four Chris's I think would, would be would be good and interesting and fun. I feel like they would be up for it. They seem to have a good sense of humor I mean, about Chris it. Chris Pine sings like yeah. an angel, so yeah. he would be mm-hmm. incredible during some opening numbers. I don't know if Chris Evans can sing, though. Of course he can. He might be in uh, Little Shop of Horrors. So what are our, what are the other two Chris's? So there's Pine and Chris Pine, Pratt's Evans, and Pratt, Hemsworth. and Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Well, I think maybe you take out one of them and put in Rock. So. The rock. No, oh, no, Chris Lord. Rock. Chris Rock. Oh, Chris Rock. Yeah. Damn it, you're what right. The Chris. Chris. He did that sketch, didn't he? Wasn't there a sketch where like all the Chris's were together and Chris Rock showed up? Like, hey guys. Right, oh. right. So, so that, I don't know what it was, but I, I have a faint memory of it. But the Chris's, I think I, you know. Yeah, I think I, if you do I the Chris's, you, you have to include Chris Rock in that. You mix. know what it is? Yeah. It's that Lonely Island video I just referenced. Oh, I really? think they do that. I think they talk about like there all the Chris's getting together and Chris Rock shows up. Yeah. Coming yeah. together. It's all coming and it, together. And, it, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine is done at NBC, so you're not cross-promoting Don't anymore. Don't say that. I'm still in denial. I know. <laughs> but, like, you have some stuff there. Like, I, I even, um, oh God, like, I, I don't know how it could work, but, like, the like uh, Jake Johnson, Max Greenfield, new girl, like, hosting <laughs> yeah. gig would be pretty damn amazing, too. Michael Schneider's influence on you is beginning to show. I love New Girl. Like (laughs) season one of New Girl is some of the is one of the best single seasons of comedy in the last like twenty years. It's incredible. Great show. So well, we have we have a lot of picks here, but uh, I'm still going back to. I mean, there is the four of us. Also, (laughs) we are yes. We will draw in a crowd. And we come pretty cheap, so no uh, no no contract. Speak for yourself. See why you, Mike. (laughs) Why you how, can we get, us? how can we get pay equality <laughs> in this country if you're underselling us already? This is true. Terrible this negotiator. Is true. <laughs> this is actually very. Stuff. This is a very diverse panel. We actually check all the boxes for Oscar demographics. So many boxes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm so sorry. The dog is freaking out. There's someone at the door. Sorry well, about I that. Well, I think that that's probably a good time to end it anyway. So that is our cue. One quick so, thing. Yes. Look up Why Not Me, Lonely Island that on YouTube. That is where you will see the wonderful opening song video. All right. There we go. We got homework, everyone. And don't forget to mess with Janelle's uh, Wikipedia page. We'll see <laughs> you next week, everyone. <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> Licorice Pizza star Alana Hyam. From Los Angeles, this is Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Hello. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. It's the Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Janelle Riley. Although Alana Hyam has been working with Paul Thomas Anderson for years as he directed music videos for her band Hyam, their connection actually goes back further than either of them knew. Her mother, Donna, was Anderson's art teacher in grade school. Shot in the San Fernando Valley, where Anderson was raised and lives with his family, Licorice Pizza centers on Gary Valentine, a teenage actor and entrepreneur played by Cooper Hoffman, and Alana Kane, a 20-something woman he meets while waiting to have his school picture taken. She's working as an assistant to the Hansi photographer. Hyam plays Alana, who gets roped into Gary's schemes. They start a waterbed company, audition for movies, and get involved in a mayoral campaign. I'm cooler than you. Don't forget it. I don't need you to tell me whether I'm cool or not, old lady. What was that? I said, lady. I said, m'lady. My lady. I don't need you to tell me whether I'm cool or not. You're not cool, and your breath smells. In a fully naturalistic performance, Alana Hyam shines brightly and could be the winner of multiple breakthrough performance awards this season. I recently chatted with Hyam about Licorice Pizza, which includes the coincidental history between her and Hoffman. It turns out she and her sisters once babysat him. Hyam also discusses being surprised to learn Anderson had written the role for her after he sent her the script asking for feedback. And she talks about how she and her sisters first met Anderson when he told a mutual friend to give them his email. Now, during our conversation, several of Hyam's family members, including her mom and one of her sisters, call. Uh, But we have actually left those moments in because, like we said at the start of this episode, licorice pizza was truly a family affair, and I thought it was really funny. I began by asking Hyam about branching out from music to movies and what the attention surrounding licorice pizza has felt like. It's still feeling very surreal. It feels very surreal. And I don't really have, like, an emotion to put to this feeling um but I'm just so excited I mean yeah like I feel like talking to you you know the the last couple of weeks we've seen so much of each other which I love (laughs) um it's just been like I feel like every time I see I'm just like so shocked I'm just like shocked and so happy that's out because we couldn't really like I mean no one really we couldn't really say anything about it for so long because like nothing was out and now that it's like finally slowly kind of making its way into the world. Uh, it's, it's wild. It's very wild. Uh, and I love because a couple times at Q and A's, you and Cooper have sort of sat in the balcony and watched the movie. And it seems like you're, you're genuine fans of the movie. In addition to being in it, you really like watching it. Oh, totally. I mean, I think because it's like, it was such a beautiful time. Like it, we were in a crazy time and we were, we shot in the dead of COVID and it was such a scary time, but we had this like weird, utopia of being in the 70s like again like surreal like COVID was happening but we were in this world of the 70s where it was me Paul and Cooper we were like the you know the team but then on top of everything I mean all of Paul's families in it including Maya Rudolph who's incredible and Cooper's mom and his siblings are in it and my whole family's in it and it just like feels like we all went on this weird 
family vacation together in the seventies. So watching it, it just, I think it's just like, is it's like a yearbook. It feels like you're watching a yearbook of like the best summer of your life. Now, obviously you weren't alive in the seventies. So no, <laughs> I was not. So when you realize you were going to have to be, you know, playing someone living in this era, did they give you any sort of a crash course? Did you, you probably already knew what bell bottoms were. But... Oh, hundred percent. I mean, if you look at, if you look at any of like the earlier photos of Chaim, I mean, all we did, I, me and my sisters always grew up listening, listening to the music of the seventies. I mean, I was really introduced to the seventies through music. My parents are huge fans of all music from the seventies and that, cause that was their era. I mean, that's where they grew up. That's where they were in their early twenties. And they like I it was just kind of came out of my body just from the womb you know what I mean it was just it was not hard to get into the vibe because I had just always fantasized about being in that era for my whole life and, and you are one of the few people who pulls off the look of the 70s by the way and uh and looks good I love it. in that style <laughs> I, I remember my first fitting with Mark Bridges who was the costume designer for the movie who's incredible and and you know got so many amazing vintage clothing he like looked at me. I think I put on my first. The, I think it was the purple pants that I wear when I'm delivering um, the waterbeds to the delivery guy. And he like looked at me and he said, "This is your era." And I was like, "Thank you." That's like the biggest compliment of all time. <laughs> so um, I think a lot of people sort of know the story by now that you know you've worked with Paul Thomas Anderson on, in videos, um, and he sent you a script. Um, yes. The thing they might not know is that it was a word document. It was a word document. And you're know, funny enough. I guess that's not normal. I mean, nope. for me, it was normal. I don't, I had never re- read a script before. I'd never been sent a script before. So when I tell that story and people always laugh when I say it was a word document, I, I was always confused. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess Paul writes on, on word and that's wow. not normal <laughs> or maybe it is. I still don't know the answer, but I think I know people find humor in it. I mean, had you, this is going to sound so silly, but had you read a script before? No, I had oh, never wow, read okay. a script before. So, and I, and I talked about this, but it's so funny, like even reading the words like exterior, interior, like things like that, like even like she looks this, like all the directions that are in the script. I was like, I felt like, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is a real script. Like I'm reading a script. It was, it was so exciting. I mean, yeah, no, I hadn't, I didn't even know how to, I don't, I think there's like an art to reading a script and I did not know. I just read it as if, you know, it was like a book, but it was a page turner, even as a script. And that's how I knew I was like, I'm just a fan of this movie already. I can't wait to buy a ticket to go see this movie, let alone be in it. I mean, I had no idea. And that's not always the way it is. There are a lot of great scripts that make great movies that are kind of a slog to get through because, you know, it keeps interrupting the dialogue with totally action. I, mean, I, would, so. I don't know, but I can assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but having actually read the script or what I think is the script online, I can say that he, his reads so well. So I'm yes. not totally surprised. So you realize on the front page, the lead character is named Alana. Um, yeah. And it has two sisters with your sister. Yes. Names. <laughs> um, but you still didn't realize he I wanted mean, you to Paul- act in it. <laughs> Paul gets so frustrated with me because the thing is, is like, look, you have to like put yourself in my shoes. Like I'm reading this script and in my mind, I was like, I can't imagine. I'm like, who else could play me? And I was like, maybe he'll bring me in as like a person. I don't know, like to be like, this is how the values. I mean, you can't assume anything. I've always grown up being like, you cannot assume anything in this life. 
especially when one of the biggest directors in the world uh, sends you a script and you're like, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, oh yeah, for sure. This is about like, you know, this, this part's going to be handed to me. Like, no, of course. Like I was just so honored to have my name in the script and, and Paul always gets mad because he's like, what are you talking about? Like, how did you not put two and two together when you read it? Like I was just so oblivious and just so just mind blown that I, I really didn't put two and two together which said something about me, I guess, but no, I was I so get excited. It 100%. I absolutely I was like, so excited. Why would you assume? I mean, yeah, I, I think course. that it would be natural to think, oh, he based a character on me. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Even that, I was like, this is nuts. I was like, okay. Like watching all of his movies and being so in awe of all the characters that he creates. Like, I mean, I could not. I mean, it's just even, even going back to when we met. Paul for the first time and getting his email, we couldn't believe it. We thought that we got some like random email that like we were going to send this like gushy email to like some random person. You know what I mean? Like we, we never assume me and my siblings never assume anything. Did you email him or did he email you first uh, when you first met? He got my friend Asa who we actually thanked how he got to us through Asa was we thanked Asa um, to Cone who's in this band called electric guests on our first record on Days Are Gone. And I guess Paul had bought our record and looked through the liner notes and saw his name. And he knows Asa too and contacted Asa and was like, give Haim my email. And then Asa called us and then we emailed Paul. But it was like, it's just so, it's so crazy. Like the universe is so crazy. Like what if we did, I mean, I would always have thanked Asa, but like there's so many things of like, what if this didn't happen? Then this wouldn't have happened. Then this wouldn't have happened. It's, it's just a wild Going down the stories between how me, Cooper, and Paul met is just a very crazy... It's a movie in itself. It's it's very weird. But why did he put the onus on you guys? Why didn't he ask Asa for your emails? <laughs> I think we were both nervous. You know what I mean? Like, I think we were both... I think that, you know, he obviously didn't know our connection to him through our mom. He didn't know anything like that. And also, he, like, he, Paul's kind of like us, where he's like, maybe they don't know my movies or something. I'm like, are you kidding me? So that makes me feel a little bit better yeah. about reading the script and not understanding that he wanted me to be in the movie. Because I'm like, we're both, we both kind of think the same way in that sense of, like, I don't know. Like, you can't assume anything. Um, but, yeah, it's funny. We both and kind of tiptoed around each other. <laughs> I mean, it's really nice. I just, like... I mean, did you guys sit there for a long time composing that email, trying to get it just right before you sent it? Oh, yeah, 100%. It took us three days. It took us three days to write the email to Paul for the first time. Because, and I think that he thought like, oh, they don't want it. Like, maybe oh. like they don't know who, I don't know. Like, they, maybe they don't want to meet me. And like, it really was just us. Like, it took us, and not, it wasn't like an hour a day. It was like three full days. Like, mm. full days of like, okay, this paragraph doesn't read right. We need to rewrite this paragraph. Like it was a very, it was a novel. It was a novel, the first email to Paul. And how long ago was this? This was right after our first record. I want it. I'm so bad with dates, but I, it was, okay. I think it was six or seven years ago, which seems like, I mean, it's a long time, but to me, it feels like I've known Paul for way longer than that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think it was around six or seven years ago. Okay, because I first met the three of you at a screening for Phantom Thread. Yeah, you came and supported Paul, which I, I thought someone asked me to take a photo of him with the three of you. 
you know? Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I have that photo somewhere, actually. Oh my God, we need to get that <laughs> framed. I need this photo. Yeah, yeah. And no. you're making a really funny face in it. So. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Sounds like me. Sounds about right. So um, I knew that, and obviously you had worked with him. At what point did you put together that your mother had been his teacher? Well, I had known that. I mean, my mom had always told the story of, of how Paul was her her student because Paul's movies would always be on the TV. So every time Paul's movies would be there, be on the TV, she'd be like, you know, I taught him. And we'd be like, mom, like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no way. I mean, there's like, there's very little photo evidence that it happened. And so when we met Paul, it was not only was it like, maybe we shouldn't tell him about mom because a, maybe mom didn't teach him. I mean, my mom's not a liar, but it's like kind of outrageous. You're like, mom, you taught Paul Thomas Anderson. It just seemed very outrageous. Again, can't assume anything and not even what your mother says. <laughs> and also like, I just didn't know if he liked my mom as a teacher because I didn't really grow up with super inspiring teachers that, you know, especially at a very young age. And when we told him finally, because my mom was also Miss Rose, she wasn't Miss Hyam. This was well before my mom had even met my father. Um, and so when we told him, like Miss Rose, Esty, my eldest sister, like just shouted it out to him. I think she like screamed it at one point because we were all so nervous to meet him. He was like, Miss Rose is your you're Miss Rose's daughter. Like he was mind blown, and he had this you know painting of. Uh, the mountains from Close Encounters of the Third Kind that he had saved all these years, which when you actually think about it, like Paul has moved, I mean, countless times in his lifetime and saved this this painting, which I mean, it meant a lot to him. So it was, it's crazy. It's a crazy connection. And was, was she his teacher in first grade? I forget what grade, but it was younger school. Was like young, he was yeah. like, he was like six, seven or eight. She was like the younger school, the lower school teacher for art. Paul said the loveliest thing, not surprisingly, everything he says is pretty lovely um, about how he didn't know that 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 was your mother. And he's like, but I did know, like on some level, I just, you know, I felt this connection. You know, uh, it's like it's weird. You know, I always felt like it's so weird. I mean, I always think about like how uh, the universe works in weird ways. I mean, saying it out loud feels like very like misty woo woo like you know like I'm from LA and the universe and it kind of like makes me want to throw up every time I say it but it really is like I feel like we were like these we were just orbiting around each other my whole life like I had heard about him through my mom and I also had watched his films and was such a big fan and and also funny enough I mean I've said this before but my sisters have me and my sisters had this tradition growing up where when we were 16 each of us would buy the younger sister. So SD bought it for Danielle. Danielle bought it for me. SD started the tradition by we, we went to Second Spin, which was a record store on Ventura Boulevard. And she bought Danielle, I think, like 10 CDs, which were going to be like the Bible for her years to come. Because 16 is a, it's a very you know pivotal age for a young girl's life. You know, you start thinking about heartbreak and you're getting into like a different chapter and Esty bought Danielle 10 records that would be her Bible, like one for partying, one for heartbreak. And it was, I think the heartbreak one was like Joni Mitchell Blue, which obviously is the Bible for any girl. And one of the records was the Boogie Night soundtrack. Wow. And so that was really, that was the biggest introduction to Paul because I was 13 at the time. And I remember, I think I stole that CD and listened to it thinking that it was like, 
uh, like a hits now, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like a, like a compilation of just like, and that's what I call, you know, the seventies kind yeah. of thing. Like, I didn't even know what Boogie Nights was because I was so young. I mean, my parents didn't let me watch Boogie, the real Boogie Nights. So I was, you know, older and, yeah. you know, fair, uh, and so I just thought that it was like an amazing compilation CD. Yeah. And then don't, then seeing the movie, I was like, oh, this is incredible. I mean, I thought Paul Thomas Anderson was just like a really great music supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also at the risk of sounding woo-woo-y, um, because I tend to be very jaded about that stuff. Uh, so many weird coincidences have happened throughout my life. And I read a book that said, coincidences are gift, a gift from the universe, whether you believe in yes. a higher power or anything, but like, totally don't, don't scorn them, just embrace them. A hundred percent. And that's how I feel. Yeah. A hundred percent. But yeah, but I do feel weird talking about it sometimes because it sounds, <laughs> it sounds, weird. you sound a little crazy, but it, yeah. I, you, I mean, I, I, all the time I sound crazy, but when, when I write down all the crazy ways that me and Paul even when we didn't know each other, like all the crazy coincidences that happened in both of our lives, it's, it's very jarring. It's yeah. jarring. It's crazy. You've been on a path I feel to meet for a while and it's, I know. Happens. Yeah, I know it's wild. So I, I mean this jokingly, but uh, as someone who like, doesn't really get along with their siblings, <laughs> um, I'm fascinated by people who can work with their siblings. And then you know, Paul Thomas Anderson picks you to star in his movie. Your sisters are also in it. But, uh, you know, was there ever any sort of like uh, sibling rivalry about like why they didn't get to be the lead in a movie yet? Oh, my God. No, <laughs> honestly, I think because it happened so slowly, there wasn't yeah. like this big conversation between me and Paul and like my siblings where it was like, you know, fight to the death for Alana Kane. It was never it was never <laughs> like that. They, we were all just like so again like so shocked that he even wanted me to be in the like we were all just like wait what you want Alana to play and you want us and and you also want my parents like it was just like we really didn't believe it until we were on set the first day we were like wow this is so crazy but my ST and Danielle were my biggest supporters through this whole process and and we were just having a blast I mean it was so out of our comfort zone we never thought that we would ever be in a movie and it was just, we just had so much fun doing it that it was, we were all just like jazzed. I mean, it's like a really weird way to flip to say it. But we were all just very jazzed that it was happening. Well, in some ways I thought maybe they would be a little grateful because they got to have these great roles, but they weren't, you know, filming every day. They didn't have all the pressure that you had. <laughs> I would almost prefer that way to sort of ease into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's so funny, like even talking about like, I feel like I've been asked a lot, like, was it, was there so much pressure, you know, doing this movie? And, and I'm, and I'm thinking back on the experience and it really, there was no pressure. And wow. I think that's why it's so free and, and natural because, but Paul kind of creates this amazing atmosphere while filming. And there wasn't a time where I, where I felt like it was pressure. I mean, he, Paul knew exactly what I could do. I mean, he knew that I had never acted before and was, and was very welcoming to that. And it was really just as fun as it looks in the movie. You know, and we just had a great time and music was playing. I mean, how can you not have fun in a pinball palace and a waterbed, you know, showroom? It, it was just, it's just, it was wild. And now you're on a pinball machine. I'm on a pinball machine. <laughs> Did they give you one? You should have your own. 
I'm like hoping I'm like crossing my fingers. I mean, maybe if Paul listens to this, I'll, I'll uh, miraculously a pinball machine will show up to my place. That would be amazing. I would be, I would be happy. I would find space for it. If not in my place, my parents would definitely want that a hundred percent. I, uh, I really want people to know if they don't already, I, I was, am such a fan of Paul's, especially since Magnolia. And I just think he's such a genius and I don't use that word lightly. So I thought he might be a very serious, maybe kind of quiet, um, you know, auteur. And he's <laughs> such a nice, fun, easygoing guy. Oh, yeah. I know. He's yeah. the best. <laughs> I mean, that's my perception. You actually know him. No, so. he is. I mean, I going through, you know, you know, like doing music videos with Paul was always a fun experience. Yeah. And he always, you know, ha- was up for kind of doing anything. I mean, if you watch our summer girl video um, with my band Haim, it was very much so DIY. I mean, at one point Paul was in a wheelbarrow, like I think <laughs> that's how you pronounce it. And he had a film camera in his lap and someone was like pulling him back. Like we did not have any money for that music video. And the fact that he was up to like getting in this thing yeah. with a film camera in his lap, someone pulling him back and us being running, getting in a car, driving around LA and being like, oh, that looks cool. Let's go there. Like, oh, is Canner, like, will Canners let us film? I called Canners, like, come and film. Like, let's go to Canners. Like, we were just driving around Los Angeles. And I always wonder, I was like, I wonder if this, like, energy is going to be how it is for the movie. And it was. I mean, there was really, it was really just kind of flying by the seat of our pants in the sense of, like, we obviously knew what we had to shoot that day, but it felt the same energy of, like, yeah, do that. And, like, he let me really run free with um, my character. And whenever I had an idea, there was no stupid ideas. It was like, I have an idea. And every time I said that, he'd be like, go do your idea. Like, and he would get kind of like this twinkle in his eye. Like, Oh, cause I mean, he also knows that I'm very unpredictable and I like, you know, I like being secretive and freaking people out and keeping them on their toes. So he always loved when I had an idea. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it, that was really, you know, shocking to me too. Cause I was like, I wonder if it's going to be like the same vibe. And it really was. Yeah. He told me that even he was surprised at how good you were at improvising. I mean, I think the thing is he, I, I, the fact that even he said that I was good at improvising is, is an honor, but um, I think the only reason, the only acting that he had seen me do was in between songs at Haim shows, which is not acting. It's just basically me and my eldest sister, SD have like a um, competition every show to see who can get the most laughs. So it's all, it's all improv and it's all, I mean, it's not improv. It's just like what comes in my mind. And during a Haim show and I think the only that's basically the only time he's ever seen me speak <laughs> was trying to make the crowd laugh and and really we do have a competition we love making people laugh we love when our when our shows are full of joy and laughter and fun and so I think that's where my improving skills maybe come from I don't know <laughs> well he um I should by the way I should mention Cooper Hoffman your co-star who yes is- so wonderful and how great that you're making your movie debuts together now, it's the best you you had acted before not professionally but no not professionally <laughs> <laughs> but you've do- at least done a play right i i was in the wizard of oz i was the wicked witch of the west in high school <laughs> i was you know painted green all that um but yeah no cooper had never acted before and he's so incredible it's it there were some times where I looked at him and I was like, 
how how have you never acted before? It, it was it was shocking to me. I mean, there were a lot of times where like the set would go quiet and we would just be like, oh my goodness, this is we're shooting a movie here. Like this is crazy. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you were cast and then Paul was looking for someone to play Gary. And totally. You know, so you you went to audition with Cooper to sort of like, you know, see if the chemistry was there. Well, yeah. So I mean, I, at this point after me and Paul had kind of discussed the movie and I had the script, there wouldn't be an Alana Kane without a Gary Valentine. And I was like, who are we going to get? I mean, Cooper wasn't even in our mind at that point. And we, we went through, you know, like the, the usual channels of, you know, auditioning with real child actors that were incredible. I mean, the, the, the kids that I auditioned with were so amazing and were so like they had been trained and, and had done, I mean, one credit is more credit to my name, but they had done all these, you know, movies and, and TV shows. And it was a weird thing. I mean, again, I hate talking about the universe thing, but because, uh, you know, I feel like I, I say it. It. I'm, I'm embracing it. I'm embracing it. <laughs> but I was waiting for this like overwhelming feeling of, oh, I found Gary. Like, like we, we found Gary. Like this is this is our Gary Valentine. And every kid was amazing, but I just didn't it didn't feel like, oh, OK, we're going to be a team. It felt like you're kind of on your own like vibe. I'm on my own vibe. And it made me worried because I knew like, look, again, like you can't have Alana Kane without a Gary Valentine. And then one day I remember we were all together, me and my siblings and Paul, we were kind of talking about it and we were like going over things. And he said, you know, what about Cooper? And I had only met Cooper once or twice before that. I think I I met him once fully because we, you know, babysat him, which is a funny story, but also, oh yeah, I babysat Cooper. (laughs) He hates when I say babysit because he was like 13. He's like, I don't need a babysitter. Right. But really, I mean, okay. So talk about another universal coincidence. So uh, during my second record, um, me and my siblings really needed to do a music video for Little of Your Love. So we had shot Valentine with Paul and then he went straight into Phantom Thread. And basically it was like, I'm in Phantom Thread mode. Like I can't do any music videos right now. We were like, of course. And we had shot a music video that we didn't really like it just think so many things went wrong with it and we couldn't use it and we panicked because my label was like you need a music video and if you're going to shoot another one you need to shoot it in the next four days or we're just putting out the one that you didn't like wow and we were like oh for lack of better words oh shit (laughs) and we were like, what do we do? What do we do? Like, we don't like this video. And then we're like, you know what? Let's just like put our tail, like, let's just ask Paul. And like, the worst thing he'll say is no. And of course, Paul, because he's great, was like, ah, all right, I'll, you know, come to the editing house of Phantom Thread. Like, we'll see what we can do. He's like, it has to be easy. And we're like, it's going to be easy. We promise. Like, let's, let's just figure it out. And I mean, it ended up being one of the most complicated videos of all time. <laughs> but we didn't know that then. But we showed up to the editing house of Phantom Thread that was in the valley. And I walked through the door and it was Paul. And sitting in this chair was Cooper. I didn't know him yet, but I was like, oh, Paul has like a like a kid with him. Like th- that's not one of his children. Like, okay. <laughs> and you know, Paul said, This is Cooper Hoffman. He, you know, is visiting from New York. And I was like, oh, cool. And and Cooper kind of had this air about him from the beginning that was, you know, very intimidating. Like, even mm-hmm. as like, I think I was like. 22 or 23 I was in my early 20s at the time 
he was 13. And I was like, cause all New York kids to me always are intimidating because they just grow up so much, you know, tougher. Like they're taking, you know, like the subway, you know, when they're 10. And I was like, my, me being 10 was like me begging my parents to drive me to the Galleria. And they were like, no, um, but I was like, I feel like me and my siblings were already just so intimidated by Cooper, even though he was so young. And Paul got called away to, um, he had something to do with fandom thread. And he was like, I got to go you know, do this, but Cooper's hungry. Can you go take him out and to get food? And we were like, sure. Okay. And we like all piled into Danielle's car and we were like, what do, what do teens like? Like what, what how can we impress this 13 year old to make him think that we're cool? And we were like, do you like sushi? And he was like, yeah, I like sushi. Like, dumb. Like, of course I like sushi. <laughs> and we took him to the original Kitsuya on Ventura Boulevard because, of course, you know, if you're in the Valley, you got to go course. to the, you know, that's that's where the fancy dinners happen. Right. And it's so crazy because we sat down and we had we had only met him basically for 10 minutes at that point. We sit down and he was just so engaging for a 13 year old. Mm. Like it really was like, he was like looking us in our eyes and asking us these questions and ordering for us being like, what do you guys want to drink? I'm like, who is this kid? Like so much so that I never forgot him. I mean, right. like talk about like, you're never going to, you're never, I'm never going to forget you. And you're never going to forget me. Like it was literally like that moment. And I was like, who is this kid? It's so crazy. And, and me and my siblings never forgot him. So when, when Paul fast forward to years later when we're talking about licorice pizza and trying to find a Gary Valentine. When Paul said, what about Cooper? I flashed back to that dinner and I knew the beginning. I knew the, you know, the first time that we go to Tales of the Coffee, I knew that scene. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I've had dinner with Gary Valentine. I've had, that was Cooper. Cooper was Gary Valentine. And I was just so, shocked. And I, I turned to Paul and I said, yes, Cooper, Cooper. Yes. And I knew it from that moment. The second that Paul said it, I knew it. I didn't even need to read with Cooper because I knew it was going to be great, but we flew to New York, read with Cooper for the first time. And Paul says that it was terrible. I mean, I think, I think it was, I mean, the thing is also like, we were so nervous. I mean, we're reading the script out loud for the first time. We both have never acted before. We're both trying to we, my mom is calling me like 50 million times. <laughs> it was my, my mom mother calling is, me this morning too. Oh my God. I got my on mom, with you. <laughs> I'm like, mom, Jesus Christ. Um, it was, you know, we were reading a script for the first time. So we didn't know what we were doing. We were also trying to look at each other. Oh my God. My mom is calling me again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry. I apologize. It's, okay. it, it's not making noise. So, um, and we were trying to look at each other while reading and looking at each other. We like lose our space and we would start stuttering and everything. But, you know, like Paul, that was the first time that I read with someone where I was like, oh, we can do this together. Even though we're stuttering, we're, you know, falling through this script. There's like no, you know, there's we, we were not Meryl Streep and, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson. We were definitely not at that stature in our minds. Maybe we were, but not <laughs> in real life. Um but Paul saw this thing, but I mean, I think we all kind of felt it like, yeah. oh, this, this feels like the team. And then it kind of just went on from there. I mean, he, it wasn't also after that reading, it wasn't like Paul was like, you got the part. I mean, we did multiple screen tests together and every time we got better and better and it was, it was great. But yeah, Cooper, Cooper was always meant to be my Gary Valentine. And I was always meant to be his Alana Kane. <laughs> By the way, uh, Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson would probably tell you that they're not good at auditioning. 
So, oh my God. I mean, never expect anyone to be Hard to perfect believe. in an audition. Auditioning is a very separate skill from acting. So, I mean, uh, I've only done one and I didn't even really audition. <laughs> just played myself. And of course, going from Cooper, we have to talk about your other co-stars like Sean Penn and Bradley Cooper. Um, am, am I right in, in that your very first scene ever shooting a movie was this epic crazy u-haul scene with bradley cooper as john peters and you're driving a truck a hundred percent that was day that was day two so day one was day one was barbara streisand and i and i talked to cooper all the time about it i think we were all just so nervous that he he actually just was so nervous that he couldn't pronounce barbara streisand's name like that was not written that was just fully cooper being so you know nervous about you know Bradley Cooper's as John yeah. Peters with his hand on his shoulder. So day one, I kind of got off easy. I, I have to say I got off easy. I mean, it was wild being on set for the first time, but day two was like my turn, my turn with Bradley Cooper. And I had to drive this truck and it was, I, you know, I went to truck truck school. I had to learn how to drive stick shift and, uh, really me getting in that truck for the first time with cameras and lights and it was nighttime. I was so nervous. I remember the first time I put it into, uh, I put it into first, you know, cause you have to, Oh my God, I swear to God, everyone is calling. <laughs> now my sister's calling me. What like, is Why are you on? picking up mom's Why calling? Is, like this? And also I think just, so you know, like my family, we all call each other in the morning and they probably think that I'm dead. This is what's happening. That's why everyone is calling me right now. Um, so embarrassing. Like, it's so embarrassing. My family is too close. We have no boundaries. Um, again, I'm fascinated by families to get along. I think it's awesome. Wait, I'm just going to see. Wait, I'm so sorry. I'm just like, I'm in an interview. Everybody stop. Um, (laughs) so, um, I put the, the, the truck in first gear for the first time and it was kind of next to a curb. And I remember everyone was watching me. There was like a huge crowd around me. Bradley Cooper and Cooper hadn't gotten in the car yet. It was just like me pulling out so like everybody can get in. And I put it in a first and I immediately stalled. Oh, and I was like, oh my God. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do this. And I remember I looked at Paul and I had like panic in my eyes. I was like, oh my gosh. Because of course I don't want to let Paul down. And this is like a very important part of the movie. And I, I think he like looked at me and he kind of did like a breathing motion, like breathe breathe you're okay and once I like got that signal of like you're okay you're okay I like put it in a first again and I like went out and I was like and that was the end I like had conquered this truck um and and then we were off to the races I mean I was so nervous I had Bradley Cooper who's a, a movie star and then I had Cooper Hoffman who's my friend yeah. in this in this truck making sure they're safe but that was me driving that was free driving had a camera on one side lights on in the front tiny streets of Tarzana um but I did it I mean I I did my own stunts which is wild to say <laughs> It's it's one of my favorite sequences ever in a movie too, and I know uh, Paul gets mad when when we talk about this, but uh, I think it's a completely natural. You were worried throughout the filming that you were going to get fired. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh yeah. And he hates when I say that because it's because he was like a, a, like he knew the thing is like Paul. I don't know how he knew. I mean, even like funny enough when my parents saw the movie for the first time, because they, they saw it, I think a a couple months before, you know, it was, 
uh, out in Westwood, um, they were dumbfounded. Like they were shocked. Like they were like, we didn't know you could act like no one, no one, no one believed in me. They secretly believed in me other than Paul. Even my parents were like, what? Like, wait, what? They're like, the first thing my dad asked Paul was like, how did you know? And Paul has never given me a straight answer. He just said, you know, I knew, I knew. And going into this process, I mean, I had this like vivid dream that would always be playing in my head of like, okay, so I'm going to tell Paul, you know, Paul's going to say like, you're in this movie. But in my mind, I was like in a month when he figures out that I can't act, we're going to be like sitting at a dinner table, you know, in a couple of years being like, remember how funny it was when I thought that, you know, you were going to play this part in this movie, like how funny it was. And I'm like, I know how funny, like you're crazy. Like, and, and we would just hug and we would just be like, that was a hilarious, you know, couple months of my life. So I always just, you know, went into every day being like, that 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 is the scenario that's going to play. Like, I'm going to get to set and and he's going to realize because like, I, I also had, you know, like that, that um, Back to the Future, you know, like how in Back to the Future, they had an actor play Marty McFly for like two weeks. That's right. Eric and then they and then they replaced him. Um, <laughs> and so I literally had that. I mean, that was probably not the best. I watched like the movies that made us. And I think that that was that was one of the movies. And I think when I saw that you can replace an actor after two weeks and, and it's fine. I was like, oh, God, I just got to make it through two weeks. And even after two weeks, I was like, I'm not safe. So I constantly, I mean, on, on the last day of filming, I remember I, I turned to Paul and I said, am I fired? <laughs> and he was like, Alana, <laughs> you're not fired. We're done. <laughs> Do you finally accept that you're not going to be fired, that you're, you're in the movie, it's done, it's out there? You know, I probably will never get that feeling out of my body. But the fact that, you know, now you can go buy a ticket and go see licorice pizza. I, I think I'm, I'm safe for now. I'm safe <laughs> for now. You're going to get your first Oscar nomination and be like, now you really can't replace me. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't even think about that. <laughs> Should start thinking about it. Oh my God. It I can't. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, it's such a great movie. You're so wonderful. I can't, I, I don't know if you have your next acting project lined up. I know you have a very busy day job. I, I have only read one script and that script is an untitled Paul Thomas Anderson uh, movie. So that is the oh, only yay. script that I've ever read. And I have not read one script since, um, but I'm very happy about it. I, oh, I love, oh. I mean, I love, I loved that script so much. I mean, if I get to act again, that would be incredible. I would love to do it again because I loved it so much. And Paul really introduced me to this beautiful world of a new chapter in my life. If Paul wants to, you know, you know, put me in something else. I mean, I would, ha- I would happily be an extra in the next Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Um, but no, I have not read, I have not read anything, and I, I still have that like the first licorice pizza script in my bookshelf, wow. and it, it was great. <laughs> Please tell me that Paul Thomas Anderson's email is something like fallingfrogs at aol.com. <laughs> It's definitely not Paul Thomas Anderson okay. at, at Gmail. I can tell you that it's not Paul Thomas Anderson at gmail.com, but Wait, it is who, something. Who have great. I been talking to then? <laughs> I, oh, you got to get that straight. You got you to figure out who you've been emailing. That's Alana Hyam of the band Hyam and now star of Licorice Pizza, now in theaters. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions in key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tankay, Clayton Davis, and Michael Schneider, I'm Janelle Riley. We'll see you on the circuit. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.